Welcome to the Carolina Outdoors. Come on in. The listening is fine. The Winter Olympics are going on, and of course that brings some of the topics for us here on the Carolina Outdoors to talk to you about and learn for us about Bill Barty on this side. And Wes Lawson over here. Bill, I hope we're not talking about curling because I don't have any information to share on curling. Well, uh, it happens on pebbled ice, Mm. and it's a smooth, I forget the weight of the stone, but I was describing it to my 8-year-old last night. Now, pebbled ice, you get that at 7-Eleven, or is that a Circle K thing? Where do we get pebbled ice? I think it's 7-Eleven. Okay. I think it's 7-Eleven. We digress. But uh, to be separated from Mm. the hockey ice, which is smooth ice. Correct. And a flat puck. Oh, that's the thing about the stone. It is a rounded bottom. Yeah, it does look like a like a, a golf cart tire almost. <laughs> Listen, we're not going to wait for television analysts to tell us what we're watching when we are watching the Winter Olympics this year. Um, we're going to go, as we often do and always do when we talk about snow and snow sports, we can't help but think about our friend Kim Yokel from Sugar Mountain Resort. We're going to bring her on now. We'll find out a little bit about what's happening on the mountain because word on the street is – the conditions are fantastic, but she will uh, she will tell us the truth, and we'll find out about that. And then, of course, she was a member of the U.S. Alpine Ski Team from the age of 16 to 23, so her focus, her discipline, and all of that in competitive skiing will give us some insight of what some of the athletes over in Beijing are going through as they uh, perform their discipline. So without further ado, let's bring her on the program right now, Kim Yokel from Sugar Mountain. Kim, welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's fantastic to have you. Um, so, listen, you had some snowfall. December was a warm one, but January came in strong for us, at least in Charlotte, and we think at Sugar Mountain also. Uh, last year, midweek attendance uh, increased so much, so business was good last year because we spoke to you about conditions and uh, people coming in. Tell us about this January and what February is bringing forth so far. We've had a wonderful, as you mentioned, a wonderful um, January. Not only did we get a storm of just 21 inches in in two and a half days Mm. the following weekend, we got another storm of about six inches, um, and it was cold throughout the entire month of January, so the snow stuck around on the slopes, of course, and then made it even prettier um, by sticking around in the woods and on the, um, the streets still have pretty big um, snow piles and the plows have pushed uh, lots of piles around around the mountain area so it's just been beautiful skiers have loved it snowboarders have loved it anybody who planned a trip in january got incredible conditions ice skating was in great shape um, actually it snowed so much here during that 21 inch storm that we had to close ice skating because we couldn't keep up with getting keeping the snow off of the ice rink but then on the other side, we had um, we were able to open six lanes of tubing. So it's been fabulous. Um, today we have 44 inches of snowfall. Yearly average is about 76. So we're hoping to get a few more storms in February, maybe even March. It looks like February's um, the long-term forecast looks for a little bit of a warming trend, but that warming trend is still keeping us below freezing. So we're excited to keep the snowmaking going, and of course we welcome any any snow that Mother Nature's going to throw our way. We sure do, especially for the those who like to ski and snowboard. Now, for our listeners, Kim, who aren't as familiar with Sugar Mountain as the rest of us, how many different trails are there, and what do you have? You, you mentioned ice skating and tubing, but what else do you have? 
Yeah, of course. So we uh, we have 21 trails, which currently all 21 trails are open. We've got eight lifts. Currently, we have five lifts open. Um, we can open more as as demand uh, requires. Um, the 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 depth is 39 to 85 inch base. Mm. And uh, right currently we've got a loose and frozen granular surface. Um, we will start making snow here in probably the next hour because the temperature is dropping cr- pretty quickly up here. Um, then we've got snowshoeing. We've got a terrific um, ski and snowboard, snow sports school, um, terrific um, sports shop <clears throat> where you can buy whatever you need to get out on the slopes. Our rental department was just upgraded a year or two ago, so we're able to um, – take more people, run them through the process a little bit more quickly than we had in the past. We just installed a brand-new um, high-speed, uh, not a high-speed, a four-passenger, um, um, deta- uh, yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> a four-passenger lift on our own, on our um, Big Birch um, slope. This coming summer we're going to install a high-speed four-passenger lift on the Oma Med- Oma's Meadow slope. So we got a lot going on for sure. I can keep on going, but... Uh, I feel like <laughs> I, I, I need to let you ask another question. <laughs> well, first off, we'll reintroduce you as well because Vice President, Director of Marketing and Merchandising of Sugar Mountain, Sugar Mountain Resort, Kim Yokel is joining us here on the Carolina Outdoors. Uh, Kim, last year, and of course, we all of our conversations, especially with people um, like you who are in the outdoors every day, your business is outside, had to handle uh, people coming in in a different way. So last year, reservations, you halted those and made the business first come, first serve. So um, if you were coming up to uh, enjoy Sugar Mountain, you got there and then and then began everything. There was no r- reservations in regard to the clinics, I think, and that sort of thing. How are you doing that in 2022? Is it uh, the same as 2021 or have things changed? No, we're continuing a first-come, first-serve basis. Um, you know, we've seen and we've looked at, certainly looked at online reservations, um, online ticket sales. Um, but, you know, that just, there's, we, you run into so many logistical problems and challenges with that, that it's, it's just not feasible um, in the long run for the customer or, or for anyone involved. Um, and that's not something we need to get into. But we're going to continue with first-come, first-serve um, we're opening all windows as as much as we possibly can, and we're doing the best we can to prepare for the large groups that come. And this year, um, since we had a lot of experience um, working that out last year, it seems to be going much more smoothly this year. And I think we're we're for the most part, most most customers seem to be happy and excited you know, to be, to have that sort of a process. You know, we've seen the big guys like Vail Resorts and all of the uh, the corporate companies do online sales last year, and, and they quickly, coming into this year, they just stopped doing it because of the cha- the, the operational challenges that, that, that they had to face. Um, they got a lot of kickback and a lot of uh, negative feedback on social media. Mm. I know, of course, we all do when, when the um, slopes are extremely crowded and some people can't get on the slopes or can't get on the lifts. Um, you know, that's just that's just the it's just the way it goes. It kind of it kind of remains the case that we should we should get up early. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're fine. So we should probably the best case is to get up early and and make our way to Sugar Mountain earlier than later. Go through that rental line and hit the slopes. Yeah, absolutely, sure. Yeah, so 
And and one secret, not a secret, but what a lot of people don't know is you can purchase your ticket after 8 p.m. for the next day's um, full-day session. You can also purchase uh, multi-day rentals, so you avoid lines that way. Um, so we do have a couple, you know, little um, ways to, to get around having to stand in line. But to your point exactly, get here by 8 o'clock. You'll be on the lifts. You'll get your lift ticket through rentals and um on the slopes, you know, by 8:30. Um, typically, the we advertise that the slopes open at nine, but we're typically always open. The slopes and the lifts are always usually open by eight o'clock. So, the earlier you get here, the better. I believe our ticket windows may open a little bit earlier on weekends, maybe 7:30. Um, but yes, yeah, certainly get here at eight o'clock. That's your that's the best thing you can do. I guess another trick would be if you can is to not go on a weekend. I'm sure you don't have problems getting people there on Saturdays, Friday, Saturdays, or Sundays. So if we can come uh, during the week, that would alleviate some of it as well, right, Kim? Absolutely, and you know, thank you so much for doing my job by telling people when the best time to come is. I was out skiing all week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and literally, you know, I didn't have the mountain to myself, but I didn't stand in any lift lines. Um, the slopes were not crowded. It's just a wonderful experience to come um, Monday through Thursday. The weather was terrific. Yeah, so plan ahead. Look at the weather for the upcoming uh, midweeks. And and come on a, a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are are, are really tr- Monday. Monday sometimes can be a little busy. Um, Fridays sometimes afternoon can be a little bit busy as well. So certainly, please come uh, during the week. Night skiing any night. Night skiing is um, certainly less crowded, and it's it's fun. It's pretty. It's a little different. A little bit of a different vibe um, at night. But yeah, there's always ways to get around the Saturday rush. You can go to skisugar.com for more information as well. Sugar Mountain's been doing this since 1969. And, uh, uh, Kim, we're going to switch gears here a little bit because you grew up in Massachusetts, and you came south um, um, heading to school in Boone, Appalachian State. But during that time, you were a member of the United States Alpine Ski Team from the time you were a teenager, 16 years of age or so, to 23. Um we want to find out from you, of course, with the Olympics going on and, and those athletes doing what they do. We wanted to find out a, a little bit about the mindset that goes on with them uh, and maybe what it takes to be that type of athlete from you. And maybe we could learn a little bit about what some of these uh, events are. Um can you tell us about what it takes to be that high-level athlete that is going over to participate in, in games like that are going on right now in 2022? Sure, yeah. You know, every athlete has a different path. They've got um, – but, but what, what I can say is uh, I think every athlete <clears throat> has a community, has a family, has um, coaches um, that support them, that push them. For me, I started very early as a ski racer, and I think anything that you're successful at, um, particularly athletics, you start very young. Um, so it, it, it just uh, it takes a lot of focus. It takes discipline. It takes hard work. Um, but while you're in that process of all of the, the, this hard work, discipline, and focus, you really love what you do, um, and you achieve because you really love what you do. Going to the Olympics is is wonderful, but it's you know there's such a cliche cliche. It's the journey that that gets you there. The Olympics is sort of the the topping you know the 
the the cherry on the top of the of, of the Sunday. Um, so I think right now that all obviously all of these kids are super excited. They're they're they, they've accomplished a goal that they've dreamed of just by going to the Olympics. And then there's obviously the pressure of you know I want to do well. I want to win a gold medal. I want to I want to place in the top five. Whatever each athlete's aspirations are, they're extremely focused. You know they're they're like horses in a in a in a race with blinders on. Um, you don't see anything that's really going on outside your world. You're just focused on um, your training and great people around you and um, the races that, that are coming up for you, the competitions that are ahead for you. Now, your thing was, was alpine skiing, and so you were fast. I mean, will you give us a breakdown of alpine skiing compared to the judged events, which would be, I guess, freestyle is how they label those, which are more uh, artistic um, you were all about speed, though, when when you were on the alpine team, right? Yeah. So alpine skiing, obviously, yeah, you just want to you want to go as fast as you possibly can, and of course, technique and um, your form, the line you choose. Uh, you know, you have an inspection for every event that you compete in prior to the race. Um, so you do a very thorough inspection. You see what line you want to take, where there's different. Um, undulations or how the course rhythm changes or um, what the weather is like, the light. Um, there are so many variables that just become second nature to you when you're preparing for a competition. But, yes, in ski racing, so, you, you know, once you've done all that prep, you do actually, first of all, in the morning, you know, you're doing a warm-up, you're running some gates, um, just trying to get your feet under you and <clears throat> feel the, your race skis, what the snow is like. And, of course, like I said, what the weather is like. Then you'll transition over to an inspection of the course, uh, depending on what your bib number is. You know, you'll head up to the start and uh, just maintain. Every every athlete has their own little pregame preparation. I was always uh, a loner. I wanted to sort of listen to my music, focus on what I had prepared. I didn't really like any outside um, course reports or information from other people. I, I just I knew what my preparation should be. I saw the inspection as I saw it. didn't really like anyone influencing me with how I should run uh, a certain turn or how the rhythm was. I was very astute and very um, focused on learning and uh, picking up those little nuances myself. So, yeah, you get in the start, and, you know, it's just from there it's autopilot. You're, you're not, I don't do much thinking. It's just um, as fast as you can from one gate to the next. And a lot of people... I don't know how they think of athletes, but for me it was, you know, from one gate to the next, you know. Um, and then once you got to the finish, you know, you, it, that was that. But, yeah, it was, it's all about speed at that point. As you mentioned, the other sports, figure skating, um, freestyle skiing, jumping, you know, I'd say those, those are, like you say, are more artistic. Um, they're more defined it's more repetition in ski racing nothing is ever the same uh the snow could be different for the next guy the next turn that you had is different than the previous turn the terrain is different but for freestyle and i assume you know um ice skating and all of these events that are are judged it's more of a, a repetition um did you have a preference you mentioned weather you mentioned lighting those are of interest for sure, but uh, did you have a preference, and maybe it depended on the venue, whether you went early 
maybe in the morning when it was cooler and the conditions may have not had other uh, uh, skiers go across it? Or did you prefer to go later so that you could see the line that was uh, what was built by previous skiers, but um, maybe the sun was up, it was warmer, and conditions were slower? You really don't have that choice. Okay, so so in ski racing, your your running order depends on your world ranking. So if you're in the top 15 in the world, those 15 people, and I, I think it's still the same, but those top 15 people in the world in that competition choose the night before their running order. So if I'm, you know, in the top 15 um, and I'm 15th in the world, I get to choose my running position 15th, you know, and you do, you most often want to start in the top 10. Um, but again, it depends. You, you look at the weather for the next day. If you're a downhill racer, you really want to look at the weather and the conditions because in downhill there's a lot of gliding. And so um, you want the fastest track possible. If it's sunny and warm, the track is going to get slower as the day goes on and as more racers um, run the track. So in, in downhill, if it's a, a warm day, you want to get an early number. But sometimes if it's really cold and windy, you know, you're really, it's really just a, um, it's a gamble. Um, your servicemen and your coaches sort of help you figure out where you should run. Um, but with slalom and giant slalom, slalom particularly, you know, every day, is, every competition is different. It, it certainly does depend on the weather. So if you're a top 15 athlete, like I said, you choose your number. You don't want to choose anything beyond number 20 because the course does deteriorate. Um, for those ranked, you know, 15 to, let's say there's 60 people, 15 to 60, they'll just go automatically in the order of their world mm-hmm. ranking. So you don't have a choice. But, but uh, yeah, weather is, is, a, is, a, is a huge factor. I, I, you know, as an athlete, you want, you just really, and for me, I just looked at the weather as it was. I didn't really have a preference. I, I usually would do better in certain weather conditions. Um, but, you know, you've got to compete in whatever's handed to you. There's times where I went out of the start gate and I had like a huge gust of wind, and then for the next guy, the wind the wind was gone, or you know, vice versa. So, so many variables in alpine skiing that can thrust you forward or you know send you to the back of the pack. But you know that's what experience is for, and and being fit and having a good technique and your determination and your aggressions. So many variables, and that all comes with. With, with with starting at an early age and, and ski racing and practicing over and over and over again. So, Kim, you got really close to hitting on what I wanted to ask you about when you said about being fit. Other than repetition down the mountain, what kind of exercise, what's the training regimen like for a world-class downhill skier? Okay, so there's there's tech skiers and then there's downhill skiers. You know, the speeds, there's the speed and tech. Um and typically most athletes will be a speed or a tech. You know, you've got Michaela Schifrin, who, who's proficient at pretty much all four um, disciplines. Um, but, but the regimen, you know, there's an off-season in the summertime. Um, let's just say we're at the end of the season. You know, you'll take a couple weeks off in April, and then it, it starts, um, your training starts, and probably, and things may have changed, like I said. I mean, I was competing in the, in the 80s and um, 90s. So, um, you know, you you go to South America for a few weeks. Usually every two weeks you're on snow, then you're off snow. But in between these off-snow, on-snow sessions, um, you're doing dry land training. And there's certainly a 
formula during the, I think at the end of the early training season, June, July, you're doing a lot of endurance training, a lot of strength training, and as the training season progresses into um, August, September, October, you start to do a little bit more agility and quickness, um, less aerobic. Um, So there's a whole formula that goes into your physical preparation for – for coming into the season. And then as the season starts, you're really just focusing more on all on snow training. You'll do some dry land training just to keep up your, um, you know, your aerobics and some strength. Um, and those are also, uh, they're, they're calculated into the whole process as well. Wait. So it's, it's definitely a, a very calculated program that somebody lays out for you or you actually collaborate on it work what? together it your age a, is, is it, a huge factor the people around you who you train with all kinds of variables it, are considered. It, it gives us a great view as we watch these athletes who are competing uh in beijing 2022 olympics and kim yoko you helped us view that through through your lens Thank you so much, as always. We can, you, the new Olympian may be listening to us now who is heading up to Sugar this weekend. Kim, thank you for joining us here on the Carolina Outdoors. Thanks, Bill. I really appreciate you having me on. It's lots of fun. Love having you on. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side with Wes Lawson and Bill Barty, the outdoor guys from Jesse Brown's. <laughs> 